we like to ask this question. Why? Why, God? Why? Why? Why this? Why that? Why the other? Well, I'm going to preach a series of messages when, on, when, when God asks us why. And there's several situations in the scripture where the Lord asks us why. And we're going to look, kind of look at that. We're going to look at the perspective of where that comes from. And uh, that's going to be the message. For, I don't know how long we'll go. We may go, we may go four, five, six weeks with different topics of things that when the Lord asks us why. But this Sunday, we're going to look at this, the topic of why are you so fearful? And the Lord asked that question, and we're, and we're going to look at that in, in depth. Um, but, but here's the thing. If we, we see what we look for, if we, get our, if we keep our hearts right and we keep our, our, our mind right and focused on the Lord and have a right understanding of what He says, then these things don't rattle us. Um, listen, I, I, listen I, I got my phone out today, this afternoon, and I'm going through my text messages. And I got text messages from me and Rob going back and forth for the last eight, nine months. And I sat there just wanting to cry. And then I went back and I, I'm going through my voicemail messages and I found a message that I didn't even remember him leaving. So I've got Rob's voice on my phone. And I wanted to cry again. But, but I, I want to cry because I'm, I miss Rob. But I'm, I'm not asking God why. God had a plan. I trust him. So I'm not shaking at my core. I'm rejoicing for Rob Jackson. But it's not my place to ask why. So we're going we're gonna to look at this topic of, of why. But if we look for the good in that situation, a lot of people would just be, why is this happening? Why is it? And they would see nothing but the negative. Brent, it's good that you're looking and you're seeing those and then pointing those things out. Helping other people see God's hand in that situation. Keep looking for the good. That's in Romans 8, 28. Amen. And I told him, I said, man, I know you can't see it right now, but God is good. Everything he does is good. I said, you can't see it because you're not God. You know, we're not God. We can't see everything. And I said, and don't beat yourself up with the what ifs. And, you know, because he's the one who gave us COVID. You know what I mean? So I know he can beat himself up. But, man, you can't do that. All right. Amen. I'm, I'm glad I, I can mute myself. I, this, I, I, people ask me a lot of times on Wednesday night, why don't you eat? And Because and, a lot of times I won't eat. And I eat and it's, you know, it's bubbling up and I'm making noises. So thankfully I have the mute button here. I can take care of that. So if I don't get on the mute button quick enough tonight, please forgive me, okay? It's not bad manners. It's just good food. And uh, um, please forgive me. I want to ask a question real quick because I've got, you know, we, it, it, Wednesday night kind of feels like preaching to the choir a lot of times. I want to ask you a question, and I don't do a survey. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you, a, it's a kind of a survey. I want to just get an idea from you uh, because the elders, and we've communicated this for the last year and a half. We pray about, we met last night and we talked about situations, what's going on. We're constantly evaluating stuff. We're trying to make decisions best we can for what's good for our church. I want to ask you, so how many of you are, would be okay if I said, we're, we're going to take the tape off, we're just going to go back to gathering together, we're not going to social distance. How many of you would be okay with that? Okay, raise your hand if you're okay with that. Now, don't feel pressure here, but, it, but if you said, I, I really wouldn't be comfortable with that. If that were you, raise your hand. If you'd be like, I'm, just, I'm really not comfortable with us gathering in here together without the social distancing. Raise your hand if you're, because okay. 
And I appreciate that. I want the feedback because I want to know what you're feeling, okay? And what I see already is unless I'm going to police it and do a shot collar or tase people or something, it just ain't happening for some of our demographics. It's just they're not. They're not social distancing, and they're sitting together, and I don't want to play police, okay? Um, so I think we still need to do the best we can, and we're not going to change anything before Sunday. We'll pray about it and, and, and consider that. But, but I feel like as a whole, our church doesn't feel like that. we need to do that as far as continuing to social distance in the way that we seat and we sit, whatever the right word is there. Okay, so y'all help me with that. that. That's good information. That's good for us, isn't it, John? All right. If you have your notes from a couple of weeks ago, don't pull those out. Just leave them wherever they're at, and you probably don't even know where they're at. We're going to go ahead, and I think I had two points left, but if you need the blanks filled in and it's just going to drive you crazy till you get them, let me know, and I'll be glad to give you those blanks. But we're going to jump right on over to our next foundation, and we're looking at, we're going to look at tonight, this foundation's 15, and we're looking at God's will and the abundant life. Now, this is probably one of the things, one of the questions that's asked uh, for me as a pastor, for me, 20 plus years in ministry, this is a question I get asked a lot. How do you know God's will for your life? How can you know God's will for your life? How do we find that? And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And, and it's, it, I've got five pages of notes. I hope I can get through all this. I don't know that I will. I'm going to try to move quickly because you have, you have a big portion of these notes of what I have put together. So we're going to go through it. And then when we're done with this, if you've got questions, I want you to ask. But it really is a very simple, this is a simple thing to, to understand and to find out what it is God wants to do with your life. It is really easy to find out, but there are some things you have to do. Okay, so we'll look through that, and, and methodically we'll work through this. And, and as we go along, if you've got questions, please ask. So the questions that, that fall under that heading there, so, you know, so as we introduce this, what is the will of God? That's the question. What is the will of God? And then how can I have the abundant life? So we, we all want to live that abundant life the Lord's promised. He didn't come just to give us life. He came to give us life more abundant. And, uh, but we want to we know how can I live that abundant life? How can I know God's will for my life? How can I know what God's plan and purpose is for my life? So we're going to look at that. John 10, 9 says, uh, beginning in 10, 9, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And I will go in and out and find, he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So we, 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 we've got that scripture there that points to the abundant life that the Lord offers us, that he gives us. Satan is the one who wants to kill and steal and destroy. I'm always amazed when there's a tornado, there's hurricanes or whatever, and people want to blame God. And that's the why question again. Why did God do this? Why, why, why do you presume God did that? Why do you presume God sent a tornado and, and, and the people died because of that. They, they presume that wickedness, they put evil on God, that he did an evil thing or whatever. And that's the mentality that a lot of people have. Satan is the one who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to destroy your life. If he can get a hold of your life and destroy it, he wants to. He wants to, he wants to tear it apart. He wants to tear apart your marriage. 
He wants to, he wants to destroy, he wants to get you pulled aside, you know, and, and doing stuff you shouldn't be doing or stealing or taking things you shouldn't be taking or watching things you shouldn't be watching. I mean, Satan wants to do that. He wants to, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Uh, and so, you know, that's, the Lord wants the best. He wants to bring that abundant life, but there's some steps to that. Now, Mark 8, 34 says, When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him de- deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, that's, that's as clear as it gets. And yet so many Christians today don't want to do that. We don't want to take up our cross. We don't want to have to bear that burden and, 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 and live a life that is sacrificed to the Lord. We want to live life our way and still have God bless it. Amen. I mean, I'm just, that's, that's where we are in this culture today, and, it, and it's prevalent in the church, and it's prevalent in good churches. And I'll say this, I believe it's prevalent in our church. We want to live life our way. We want to do it in my wisdom. I want to do what I want to do. You know, it's the old thing I always said about Jordan. Jordan's attitude was, you know, I, I want to do what I want to do. Now, that's my daughter. That's my strong-willed daughter. And that's as a little kid, she understood that at six years old. She wanted to do what she wanted to do. And you know what? Here we are at 20 and 25 and 30 and 35 and 55 and 75. We still want to do what we want to do. We're still fighting that same little, this is me and this is the world. And that's, that's where so many of us are. I can get there. I hope I don't live there, but I certainly can get there where, you know, the world, it's all about me. And, and, you know, I, I want to do what I want to do and still have God bless it. It doesn't work that way. We're to take up our cross. Verse 35 says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, I think about these folks that, like a Ted Turner, all the money Ted Turner had, and one time he was asked, you know, how much more is it going to take to make you happy? When are you going to be? He said, another million. He wants another million. It's always more because the, the, the goal line continually has to move because that is not going to satisfy. I don't care what promotion you get. I don't know how, care how much money you have. I don't care how many old antique cars you've got in your 30-car garage. It, th- those things are not going to satisfy. And you'll continue, and, it, and whether it's pursuing it through drugs or through sex or through whatever it is, it is not going to satisfy. Christ is the only one and the only thing that will satisfy this. You know, we talk about this Christ-shaped hole in our heart. Well, it, there's not really a little, you know, it's not like a jigsaw puzzle, but there is a hole in our heart. There is a void in our life that, that only Christ can fill. And it, and it is when we have him in our life, when we, have, when we have been born again, then that is filled. And then even then, it, 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 we can get away from the Lord. We can get right back into the flesh and wanting to do our own thing again. And it's not fulfilling. And our, then our relationship is, not our relationship is broken, but our fellowship with Christ is broken. And a Christian that's in sin is miserable. I'll tell you this, a Christian who gets off into sin will be a whole lot more miserable than a lost person living in sin. They've not experienced that. They don't know. They're miserable. But a Christian that gets away from the Lord is going to be a whole lot more. But, you know, you think about these guys, they can gain the whole world. And as far as I know, uh, uh, all of those top guys that have made so much money, Bezos and, and, and Facebook, 
punk face and that guy. And all, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, yeah. Um, these guys that have made so much money, I don't know of any one of them, I, I don't know. I, I just know I don't see or hear anything that would indicate to me they know the Lord as their Savior. So I don't care how much they make, and I'm talking about him, so we'll probably get kicked off Facebook tonight. Um, they make all that money. They have, I mean, more money than, I, can you even imagine? I can't even wrap my mind around the, the way these people live. But yet if he dies, and my brother asked me one time recently, he was watching, and I said something, he said, what does that mean? I said, well, we in the South know what that means. You want to talk about these people that don't know Christ, they're going to die, and they're going to bust hell wide open. That's what I said. He said, what does that mean? I said, well, they, they ain't going to slow down at the gate, you know. And, and the fact is, if you don't know Christ, you've got one place you're going, and that's it, is hell. There is no hope for anything else. So what if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? You've got all these things in life. But you know what? There are Christians in Afghanistan who've lost their life. Stories we don't even know. There are stories we will never know this side of glory. And they have gained everything. They, they gave their life. They lost their life for, for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the sake of the gospel. And they have gained everything. And so we, we've got to, you know, kind of alluding to what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks, we've got to get our perspective right on how we look at things in life. We've got to quit looking at it from, from my perspective. We've got to start looking at it from the Lord's perspective and what He teaches in the Word of God. Amen? So in, in, in continuing an introduction here, in these scriptures that we just read, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us how to have the abundant life that He has promised to us. God has a will, listen, he has a will and a plan for our life. God has a will for our life, and he has a plan for our life. And the will of God is the expressed desire of God for every person. So, so we're going to explain this, but when we talk about the will of God for our life as a Christian, the will of God is the same for all of us, and we'll look at that. The key to living the abundant life in Christ is to know and do the will of God and then to discover God's plan. It is to know and do the will of God. And the abundant life in Christ, there's no way to have an abundant life if you're not in Christ. That's the key to this. It's in Christ. You have to be in Christ. There has to be that relationship, that born-again salvation relationship with Christ. And we should always remember that God's plan for us is better than our plan for our life and is better than we can even imagine. God has a much better plan. Now, I had things I thought I was going to do. I had the, the dreams that I had coming up and things I thought I would do. And then the Lord called me to ministry. And for the last 22 years, I've served in ministry. And it's, none of that's been easy. But there, I, I can't look back and imagine doing anything else. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and, and and they said, well, well that's, it's obvious because that's your calling. A absolutely. So God called me to what he, I'm, I, 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 if this were my job, I'd go find something else to do. Does that make sense? This is not a job. And anybody that does ministry as a job, they need to find something else to do. I don't do this for, to have a job to do. I do this because of what God's called me to do. And, and I, wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been a guy to stand in a pulpit and preach the Word of God. That wasn't my desire. I mean, I'm, I'm a shy person. I'm an insecure person. I have a fear of public speaking. And you go, really? Absolutely. Why do you think I wear a suit on Sunday mornings? That way if I faint or I have a heart attack, you just stick me in the box. I'm ready to go. 
you know, because I, I, I'm just all, I'm already dressed and ready. Just stick me in and pair me. Um, but I, I do. I still struggle with that. I still get nervous. I still, you know, I don't normally get nervous on Wednesday nights, but Sunday morning, I'm still, I feel it. I got those butterflies a little bit. I get that nervous energy still. And, and, uh, but God's plan for our life is so much better than what we can. And, and if we went around the room tonight, I imagine everybody in here would, would have a testimony of, you know, I thought I was going to do this or that or the other, and my life has gone a different path. God had a different plan. And if we're following the Lord and we're living our life for him, we let him guide our life, man, it is so much better than we could ever hope for designing it ourselves. So we must trust him and allow him to lead and guide our life by living our life according to the principles and precepts of the word of God. And that's going to be the key. So let's get into it here. Number one, God's will and God's plan. We're going to look at God's will and God's plan. A, the will of God can be distinguished from the plan of God regarding your life. God has a specific plan for your life and he will reveal it as you are consistently or as you consistently obey his will. So a lot of times we ask, well, you know, what's God's will for my life? We're going to talk about that. We're going to figure out what the will is, his will is for our life. And then it is from there that we can determine and we can find God's plan for our life. All right. So we're going to, we're going to work through this. B, the plan of God involves, um, so we have the will of God, which we're going to talk about in depth here in a minute. But then we have the, the, the plan of God. So the plan of God involves things like your job. What is it you're going to do? Now, I'm going to tell you, vocational ministry, I mean, vocational, just a vocational job. God has, all right, I'm going to take John, for example. God has designed John a certain way. He is exactly the way God made him. That's, he is John because God made John, John, and John is the way John is because God made John that way. Now, we can, we can, be, we can be more like Christ and we can walk like Christ and learn and grow and become more like Christ as we walk in the spirit or we can walk more in the flesh, right? So we can, but basically the way God has made John, the way he crafted him with his interests, his abilities, his talents, those things God gave him. And, and so I would think, think right now, based on what I've seen in John's life in the time I've known him, you're exactly right now where God wants you to be. Would you agree with that? I mean, you've seen how God, he has watched how God has worked in his life. Talking with a buddy of mine today who lost his job. I mean, the, the company has gone absolutely woke. He lost his job because he ain't woke. He's a white man. He's 51 or 52 years old. So he's the wrong age, the wrong color, uh, the, the wrong gender. He, even the wrong, he identifies wrongly. I mean, he should, if he identified something else, he might be better off. But, he, but he's, he doesn't. He identifies with what he is. And so uh, he got fired. He got fired probably, Gina, can you remember Don, four months ago, five months ago maybe? He lost his job. I ran into him somewhere. He was out eating, and he's telling me he's doing DoorDash. He, he said, I'm not going to sit at home and draw unemployment. He said, I'm out, I'm out working. He's, he's out doing DoorDash. This is a guy who was making a lot of money doing tech stuff with, with these companies. And he's just trusted the Lord through this process. And, uh, and he, he texted me the other day and said, pray for me. I got a, this interview. He had a couple of interviews. Well, he ended up getting the job. And he said, man, the job's great. The pay's great. The benefits are great. So I asked him, Dad, I said, so where are you going to have to drive? You're going to have to go. Before, he was driving an hour one way to get to work. I said, where are you going to have to go? He said, I ain't got to go nowhere. I get to work from home. I went, hmm, mo better. That's even, I mean, he's, he's like praising God. 
and the guy he's going to be working for, he worked for 10 years ago. So God has designed it. That's God's working in his life and putting him in, him in that job. So you go, you know, I, I want to serve God. You know what? You may serve God right where you're at in the vocation that, that you're doing. That may be your calling. You know, Brent does the financial advising stuff, and he loves it. He loves it. Don't, don't have him over building a shed for you or anything like that. But, but if you need financial work, talk to Brent. He, he, he loves that stuff, and that's the way God's designed. Am I right about that? Would you want Brent building a shed for you? Maybe. You ain't scared. You can do it, build the shed. What, what would you not want to do? Bake a cake? I don't know. What? He can do that too, huh? Well, he's so talented. Well. I think she's just talking it up. You know, you know. No, she's a good wife. I'm the one you wouldn't want building your shed. I'll tell you that. So your job, the plan, and it may be your job. It may be your geographical location, you know, where you're going to live in life. Um, I, I believe with all my heart that God worked in, in the Stevens family and their lives and took them to Colorado. That was, I, 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 you know, you don't have a desire like that for as long as they had it. And Keith had it, and then see how God worked all the details in that to take them out there, and they're thriving there, not just with with their job, but with their church and all these different things that are happening. So the geographical location or your life's calling, what is it you're going to do with your life? What, how are you going to serve? Where, where are you going to be? All those things. Your life mate, who do you marry? You know, the, the, there was the, the old song, um, Unanswered Prayers. That's a spiritual song. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Garth Brooks. Sometimes I thank God. Yeah, I'm not going to sing. <laughs> kind of like building a shed, right? Me singing country. But you know that song, there's a lot of people that go, well, you know what? Because we all might have had it again. Like you had a different idea about jobs. Maybe when you were in high school, you had a different idea about who you were going to marry. Or, or somebody that you liked and you thought, oh, this is the person I'm going to marry. This is what it's going to be. And, and so if you, if you had had your way then, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have maybe what you have now. And, and I'm no different. I'm telling you, God has blessed me way beyond my punt coverage, okay? The Lord blessed me way beyond my punt coverage. So people see me and Gina today and go, is she blind? Uh, what, what's the deal there? Why is she and him? They don't fit together. Because, you know, I just married way above my head. And I'm thankful because she was exactly the person I needed in my life. She was exactly. So that's when you follow the Lord, and the Lord puts those things together. That's when it's good. So that's the plan of God. So then let's go look at C. Then the will of God is simple, specific, and the, and the same for every person. So we're talking about the will of God. For every person, His will is the same. The plan for individual lives changes. But the will of God is the same for everybody. So it starts with salvation. Number one is salvation. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord's will is that every person would come to faith in Christ. That's His will. All right. Number two is sanctification. And this is pretty clear as well. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, For this is the will of God. He says it right there. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. 
So what is your sanctification? It's, it's your being set apart for God. It is, it is you are living your life for him. You quit living your life for you and you're living your life for him. As we're sanctified, as we grow more and more like Christ, there's a, the, the, the threefold sanctification. So when I'm born again, I am sanctified. I'm forgiven of my sin. And as I grow as a believer, I am, there is a, there, I am being sanctified in my life. And then when I die and I go be with the Lord, there's a final sanctification where sin is. I'm done with sin. I'm done with this old body, all of that. But my whole life is a process of sanctification. It is becoming more like Christ. And it's, it's why you get up in the morning and you open the Bible and you're reading and you say, Lord, show me something today. And when he shows you something, then you implement it. You know, the scriptures say to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin. So here we read our Bible and we say, oh, yeah, well, Lord, I, I ought to deal with that. And then you don't deal with it. You know what? Now you're accountable to it. And it's sin in our lives when we don't surrender to those things. So his will is for salvation, for sanctification, but then for, sin, uh, for surrender. Number three there is surrender, Romans 12.1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, some versions you'll read will say there that, that, that your reasonable service, it is your spiritual worship. I, I'm not even sure I understand what that means. But as I read that in just layman's English, it's your reasonable service. It's the least you can do is live your life for the one who died for you. Amen? Amen? I mean, that's what we need to do. And we amen that, and yet we still hold on to things. Our sanctification, it requires us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to surrender those things to Him. All right, so he says here, uh, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, a sacrifice, if you, if you think about the, the Old Testament sacrifice, they'd say they take a lamb and they put it on there and they slice its throat and they bleed it out and they put it on there and they burn that, that if it's a burnt offering or whatever, they sacrifice it. That lamb doesn't get up and run off the, when they're done, show's over, boom, it gets up and runs off and, ha, and has playtime now. Doesn't do that. A sacrifice is given to the Lord and it is done living for itself. So if we're going to be a living sacrifice, then that means I have submitted my life to Christ. I have given myself to him. And, and, and so I'm no longer living for me. I'm living for him. But I am living for him. Amen. You know, we talk about in life, you know, you know, we talk about this with witnessing, being soul winning. Um, the Lord doesn't need us. He, he doesn't need us to do these things. He wants us, and his plan involves us. I think that's fantastic. It blows my mind that we have the, the privilege of serving the creator of the universe. I mean, how many of you in here, if Trump had called and said, hey, I want you to be a part of my cabinet, we'd be, man, that's an honor. I can serve as the, the interior secretary or whatever. That would be incredible to serve under the president of the United States. I wouldn't serve in this cabinet. I wouldn't serve in this cabinet. That'd be, we'd be like, boy, that's a great honor. But what, a, what an incredible honor it is to serve God Almighty. And that's what we have the opportunity to do. That's not just what we have the opportunity to do. It's what we have the obligation to do. Because when we're born again, that's the call on our life then is to serve him. So we're his hands, we're his feet, we're his mouth. So I was, I've been talking about with all this soul winning thing, you know, I can live my life in a way that others go, yeah, there's something different about him. I wonder what it is. 
What a shame if they go through all of life going, man, I just wonder what's different about him. He, I wonder what it is. And, and it would be easy for then you come up and go, hey, let me tell you what's going on in my life. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you why I think this way or I do this or I live this way. But this is what God's done in my life. And share your testimony with somebody. And, 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 and then share the gospel with them. We're his hands. We're his feet. He doesn't need us, but yet that is the plan he has put in place. And if the gospel is going to go around the world, if it's going to go next door, it's us that do it. That's God's plan. And so we have, it, it, it requires us sacrificing our life, submitting our life, surrendering our life to him. And, and I'm going to tell you, for a lot of Christians in America today, that's a problem. I want, all the, I want all my rights. Here's the problem we have in America today. Throw out Christianity for a moment. I want all my rights. I don't want any responsibilities. Amen? I mean, we're going to talk politics. That's what we talk about. We got a generation of kids coming up that all they know is everybody's held my hand and just give me everything and make it easy for me. And, you know, I shouldn't have to have a job. Are you kidding? Y'all should just send me a check. Uh, why should I have to move out of mom's garage or basement uh you know it's just it's there's all this thing about this entitlement i'm I, I deserve that i'm entitled to that that's the attitude they want all these things they deserve but they don't want any responsibility what do you mean cut the grass i never asked about that my mom said do something she said my mom beat me with a dog leash one time because i didn't water the dogs when she told me to from then on you know what happened them dogs had plenty of water so you learn. You learn those things. And, and so we, 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 we have responsibilities. I mean, we want our rights and we want our responsibilities. But for so many in, in America today, American Christianity, we're anemic, folks. We want to live like I want to live. I want all the blessings, God. Give me all the blessings. Give me all your, you know, Lord, you just pour yourself out on me. Bless me. Give me that new car. Give me that new job and put a lot of money in my bank. That's what we think because we have bought in. Even, even in here, folks, we've, we've been polluted somewhat by the prosperity gospel that's preached in America today. We've got this idea that you, if you're a good Christian in America, you know, God's obligated to bless America. No, he ain't. I don't know why he's still blessing us at all. We've turned our backs on him. We're killing babies. Thousands and thousands every day. I am encouraged that there are some things happening in that area. I am very encouraged. And depending on what we got in the, in the Supreme Court, that, that Roe v. Wade could be overturned. I really believe it. Don't know if it will, but it could be. I'm going to pray that way. I'm going to keep praying that way. We're going to talk more about that because there's some decisions coming up later this year where the Supreme Court's going to hear a case on that. But, folks, we have got to get past this wanting to just do everything my way and then feeling like God's obligated to bless us. So we have to surrender. And that means I give myself to him. I'm a living sacrifice. And then the fourth part of this is service. It's what God wants for all of us. So Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. You hear this? Not, not for just certain people, but for the equipping of the saints, the born again, the believers, the children of God, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body, for the building up. It's what this is about. So, so why am I here? 
the, the role of a pastor is to help equip the saints to go out and do the work of the ministry. It's not my job to win Geneva to the Lord. It's our job to win Geneva to the Lord. I, I remember years ago, y'all saw my friend Rick, my pastor friend. He was my first pastor that was here several, I think the 1st of July he was here or end of June 1. I remember one time the church we were in, they were mad because Rick, they wanted him to cut the grass at the church too. I mean, it was, it was like he, he had to do the visitation. He had to do the hospital visits. He had to do the, all the preaching and the teaching. I mean, everything. And we got mad one day because the grass got a little long and Rick didn't take the initiative to go out and cut the grass. I was livid. Like, you old idiots. Bunch of deacons that... I mean, nothing wrong with deacons, just... <laughs> it's, it's not real. Those weren't real deacons. Because deacons are servant. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful in this church. Our deacons understand what deacons are. Amen. And they serve. And you know what? We got a slew of folks here that are deacons that don't have title of deacon. Do you know what deacon is, right? It's a servant. Diakonos. It, means, it just means a servant. To serve or a servant. And we got a lot of folks here that are deacons and deaconesses that, that just serve. These folks, they thought they ran the show. And they were mad because the preacher, that ain't his job. His job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that's why for weeks I've been preaching about the gospel. Because I'm trying to equip you and inspire you through the preaching of the word of God. And then let the Holy Spirit work and convict your heart that, you know what? I got friends, I got co-workers that need to know the Lord. And that you will go out and share and you will tell. It ain't your job to win anybody. But it's everybody's job in here to tell somebody. So those are the, the things that, uh, that's the will of God. When we talk about the will of God, it's for salvation, sanctification, surrender, and service. D, conformity, conformity to the will of God is a progression of spiritual growth based on faith and obedience. Okay, so conformity, conformity to the will of God is a progression of spiritual growth based on faith and obedience. So as, we, as, as we're going to conform to the will of God. It's, and so when I, when I become a believer and I've been saved and then I'm going to grow and there's sanctification coming in my life and then I get to this place where I understand, wow, you know what? I've been playing games. I need to really surrender everything to Him. I need to give it to the Lord. I need to live my life for Him. Not living it for me. I'm going to live it for Him. And, and there's that surrender and service as I serve God. So now as, as there's this progression. And so it, it's kind of like with birth. When you talk about a physical birth, when you have a physical birth, there's a process that you go through, right, That you, in, in growth. So you must be born again. So spiritually, we must be born again. And just like a person is born physically, we must be born spiritually. There has to be a spiritual birth. And it doesn't just happen by osmosis. The Holy Spirit of God, as you hear the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God burdens your heart, pricks your heart. When you come to that place of understanding, I'm lost, I'm a lost sinner, and I'm going to go to hell, and I need God. And you come to that place, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. He's telling you, you need to be born again, and He's calling you to come. 
Repent, turn from whatever you're doing, from doing your own thing, and turn to Him for salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord, He'll save you. But once you're born again, there's that spiritual birth, just like there's physical birth, and then there's a time to grow. So as, a, as an infant and then toddlers, you know, they, they go through the process. So I can remember the, our kids, you know, they go through that thing where they're, they, they start learning to turn over. I think they generally went from stomach to back. They would start with their stomach, they'd get where they'd push up. You remember they'd push up, and then they would... They turn over, and then they're like a turtle. They're stuck there. They, they, they don't know what to do. Um, so there's growth, and it's the same way spiritually. When you're born again, and then you begin to grow. You grow in the grace and the knowledge. So how do I do that? Well, you attend church. You attend Sunday small groups. You attend Wednesday night. You, 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 you read the Word of God. You, you have a regular quiet time where you're reading the Word of God. You're spending time in prayer, and that's how you grow. And as you grow spiritually, then there, there's a time to die. And just like physical life ends with death, uh, here, here's something dynamic in Christ, Christianity because in, in time you begin to die to self. And that's what we're talking about, this being a living sacrifice. You die to self. You die to doing your own thing and your own wants, and you submit that to Christ. And that's the progression of spiritual maturity when we get to that place where we begin to die to self. And that's when we really, as a believer, begin to live. That's when we start to live, is when we die to self. When, when it's, when, that's real living, folks. I, I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Because this week we're going to talk about, did I tell you what the topic was Sunday? Um, why are you so fearful? That's the topic for Sunday. Why are you so fearful? The next week I'm going to be talking about death and, and our view of death. Here's a thought that hit me, and I, I'm going to have to do some research. I don't know if I can back it up with Scripture. Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of... The valley of the shadow of death, right? So I've shared this a lot because I, I really preach this a lot in funerals because it's, I just can't find anything better that relates to this. It, it, it is death cannot touch a believer. If you're born again... You may die physically, you don't die spiritually. There's not, there's not a second death. But if you're never born again, if you're never a second, you never have that second birth, you'll have a second death. You gotta have a second of one or the other. You have that second birth, you have that spiritual birth, you're not gonna have a death. You're not gonna have physical death. But you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So so though Mike passed from this life into eternal life a year and a half ago. He walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And Mike, and I believe Mike knew the Lord, and, and I have every confidence of that. The shadow of death cast it, the death itself cast a shadow over him, but it didn't really touch him. He walked right through that. I kind of think, I don't know, I'm working through this. Don't, don't stone me if you think I'm a heretic here. The Lord came to give us life, right? So if you don't have life in this life, you're you're lost. You're, you're going to die and go to hell. You have to be born again. You must, Nicodemus, you, why do you marvel when I tell you you must be born again? We must be born again, right? So the Lord gives us life. And then he said, and we read the verse earlier, he didn't just come to give us life. He came to give us life more abundant. He gave us to give us more abundant life. But is that really the ultimate life? Here's a thought. We really kind of have the shadow of life on us now, Right? I'd never thought of that. And I was, I, was, I was studying this week and I went, wow, this is an interesting thought because we walked through the valley of the shadow of death right into real life. Real life begins with death. 
That's when our life begins. We love this life too much to want death. We love this life so much, we, we're fearful of death. And, and we live just like the atheist. You know what we are? We're, we're practical atheists in a lot of ways. Because we live this life embracing things the way the lost world was. You know why this world's crazy, just lost its mind about COVID? That's all they got. The mentality is, if you, you don't wear your masks, all six of them, you're wearing your masks and get your five shots and whatever, whatever else. If you don't do those things, you're going to kill me. You're going to kill me. And that's all they have. That's why this lost world is scared to death of this because they've listened to the hype. They don't understand 99.9 something percent means you're probably not going to die. You may. We understand that. But you're probably not. But this world, oh, you're risking, you're risking. Well, why in the world do you get in a car and go anywhere? If that was my mentality, I'd never ride in a car. You see the fools on I-4? <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Down by UCF, yeah, they don't know how to drive yet down there. And they certainly don't own a, oh, Wow. Y'all bear with me, okay? I'm going to talk fast. I want to get through this last one here. I want to talk about this in a minute. Here's the problem with the question we ask. We, we want to say this, and we should not say this. What is the will of God for my life? So it goes back to what I've already said. The will of God is the same for all of us as believers. He has the same will. Get saved, get, uh, get, get sanctified, excuse me, surrender your life and, and serve Him. That's, that's the will for everybody. So the problem with this is the my life part. You know, we, 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 want the, we want this revealed will of God for my life, but the will of God has been revealed for all of us. It's there. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You know, we, we've got this mentality of, Lord, again, it's this bless me mentality. I want to know God's will. What's God going to do in my life? It's not your life. Scripture says you have been bought with a price. Amen. What was that price? The blood of Christ. He has bought you with his blood. You are not your own. This, there's a word that's translated. I don't remember. Maybe it's doulos. That, that was translated. Oftentimes it's translated as servant. That's the wrong, that's really not. MacArthur wrote a book on this. It is slave. We're not a servant. Servant gives the idea of, well, I can do this or not do this. And reality is I can rebel against God and not do that. But then don't come back asking God to bless your life when you're not doing what he's asked you to do. We are a slave. We are his slave. We have been bought. We have been purchased. We are his property. And so the part of the, wrong, the, the mentality of this, God, show me your will for my life. It ain't my life. It's his life. And it's when I surrender that to him that then he can work through me and work in my life and he'll bless me and it's an amazing thing. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen? Colossians 3.3, 3, for you died... And your life is hidden in Christ with God. Galatians 2.20. Everybody knows that verse. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, 
But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it is, it is his life. And as I'm living this life, as I'm living my life, I'm living his life. Because he gave me life. I, have, I don't deserve life. I deserve death. I deserve hell and eternal judgment. That's what I deserve. But God in his graciousness saved me. And now I have life, but it's not my life. It's his life, and I live it for him. So learn, number two here says, learn from the word of God that the will of God, what the will of God is, and determine in your heart to obey that will as God reveals it. So we've got those four things. Those four things we looked at, they're the same for everybody. But the whole word of God is God's will revealed for everybody. Amen? The word of God is there. Everything is there. His will is there. The sanctification of your life, living pure in your life, living, not having sexual immorality in your life, not having drunkenness in your life, not having, you know, uh, not, not divorcing. Folks, listen. There are very, very limited grounds for a biblical divorce. Amen? I'm going to tell you, I think, I think when people just go out and get a divorce because they're not happy, that's as sinful as anything you can find in Scripture. But we'll justify it because God wants me to be happy. No, he doesn't. God wants you to be holy. And when you're holy, you'll be happy. When you're not holy, you won't be happy. You're not living for him, you're not going to be happy. You're, you're going to be miserable. Amen? Okay, so we got through a whole point one. So, well, I was, what a dummy I was. We might get done tonight, yeah. I've got this little, I'm going to put it on the screen maybe Sunday, and it, and it, and it looks like what you'd have on, uh, on Twitter or something, or, and it says, preacher's going to preach short today. And then at the bottom it says, uh, it's been removed because it's false information. <laughs> so, honestly, Sunday, Sunday, I, 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 I had less notes Sunday than I've had in a long, long time. And we got in the car and Jesse said, you know how long you preached? I said, no. <laughs> it was under an hour, 45 minutes. He goes, it was an hour when you finished that. And I said, well, it was noon when we got done. I apologize for that. I apologize. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I sincerely don't intend to keep y'all like that. And, and I want to, y'all pray for me. I want to be a better communicator. I want to be able to communicate, but sometimes it's going to go longer. There wasn't any way to communicate everything I communicated Sunday in 30 minutes. There wasn't. So, but I'm, I'm really working on for the next several weeks. I'm going to try to spoil y'all a little bit. And y'all are all going, at false information, remove that. That's not going to happen. But that's my heart's desire, and that's what I'm trying to do, okay? All right, any questions, comments before we dismiss? I know we're a little bit over. You glad to be here tonight? Amen. Hope you're as glad as I am, man. I'm, 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 I'm happy to be here. I'm just excited to be here tonight, and I just love being together with you guys. Y'all energize me. You encourage me. And, and it's not about, oh, I had that many people here to hear me. Listen, I'm teaching the Word of God. I remember as a college, as a college kid, having it, and I got voted to be the college and career teacher. I wasn't ready to be a teacher. But I can remember thinking, I remember being on my way to church, scared to death. This goes back to my fear, scared to death, and going, man, maybe nobody will show up today. That was really, my, that really was my heart. It's like, maybe, maybe nobody will show up today. I was scared to death. 
And what I, what I realized as I grew in my faith and all went, man, I'm teaching the Word of God. This ain't thus saith Conrad. This ain't about me. This is about His Word. And, and I went, all right, well, if there's five people, I'm going to put the same energy, the same preparation for five. But if, but if we got five, I'd rather have 50 than five to hear His Word. Amen? I'd rather have 100 than 50. Amen? So while I get more nervous with more people, that's okay. Bring them on. Because I, I, I want to teach the Word of God. And that's what we're here to do is to learn and grow in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bob, would you close, us, uh, close our service in prayer? Would you do that?